0: welcome to the gestalt it rundown where each time we meet we run down the it news of the week with a variable degree of snarkiness i'm your host Stephen foskett from gestalt it and joining me today is a special guest co-host my friend max mortellaro welcome to the show thank you so today is World Meteorological Day, and I know that all of us would love it if the meteorological sciences could tell us what tomorrow's weather will be like. But one thing I can tell you
1: is we've got a lot of news this week, so let's dive in. Exactly, so Stephen, uh, SciFive announced that they've raised 175 million in a Series F funding round and it's bringing the company's valuation to $2.5 billion, and they're getting set up for an IPO. Uh, Sci-5 is a pioneer in the world of RISC-V computing, and uh, they're an emerging uh, open source competitor for ARM. So far, it's been more of a theoretical challenger, but uh, do you think that with this investment we'll put it uh, kind of the the RISC-V on the map?
0: Yeah, this is an interesting question, because as everybody who's watched the rundown or followed the enterprise tech space knows, ARM is really making waves in enterprise computing, not just in uh, mobile devices. Uh, Of course, everybody is aware of Apple's work with ARM, but even if you look at the other ARM licensees and ARM itself, they're developing cores that really are competitive with x86. And there are a lot of companies now working on bringing ARM devices into the server space. But ARM is also a huge, huge part of the component ecosystem, in other words, Systems uh, that I guess technically are CPUs, but aren't really CPU CPUs, like the the the, the signature things. Essentially, there are ARM processors in almost every device and almost every component of every device, whether it's you know hard drives and network cards to uh, you know devices in car dashboards and just all over the place. So, um, Risk Five is an open source competitor for ARM. Essentially, it's the idea is that they would be able to. Uh, have an alternative to the ARM instruction set, which although is widely used, it is proprietary and license-based. And the idea would be that they would have uh, an alternative uh, to that ecosystem. So far it's gained traction mainly in the storage space. Now it's not widely known, but a lot of hard drives and SSDs are now starting to use RISC-V cores instead of ARM, uh, mainly because they can be customized and the licensing is cheaper. But another place we're seeing RISC-V taking off is in high-performance computing and AI and machine learning. And this is really interesting because as an open uh, platform, companies are free to add their own high-performance instructions uh, to the chip. So essentially, you've got a basic... Uh, CPU that can do sort of the regular uh, operating system type processing or embedded OS processing. And then that chip will have some special uh, secret sauce kind of uh, instructions that perform really, really well at this task or that. And that seems to be where uh, this platform is gaining traction. So uh, RISC-5, SCI-5 is basically the uh, signature enabler of these things. It's a, a company that's been formed to try to exploit this instruction set try to compete. And uh, frankly, uh, it's looking pretty good. So they raised a lot more money. They've got uh, funding. They've got development efforts out there. And I think we're looking at a uh, potential here to really compete with ARM, not just in uh, embedded systems, but even perhaps in specialized high-performance niches like machine learning. So where will it go? I think that uh, Risk Five is on the map. Max, uh, big news this week from Okta, whose authenticators are used for, by companies like FedEx and Moody's to provide access to their networks. Uh, Okta has been hacked, and uh, may have, uh, this may have affected their customers. Uh, the scope of the breach is unclear, and it could still have major consequences across many companies that rely on the uh, San Francisco-based company to manage their networks and applications um this hack has been handled uh, probably pretty poorly in my mind by okta and uh, how do you think this could affect the company its products its uh, users as well as the uh, world in general
1: well uh, you know there's an interesting thing in that uh, in that story is that usually you will see uh, hackers which will try to attack directly a company and try to breach to compromise people in an organization, but here I think what's really interesting in the Okta story is that they went after a security provider and uh, went through them has a kind of a man in the middle somehow attack because the, the Octa is providing these authentication services uh, to these uh, to these companies. So they they went for the uh, I wouldn't say maybe the low hanging fruit somehow, but the, the the way the way they did that is quite smart because uh, they say that Okta has around forty thousand. Uh, um, sorry, 40,000 customers and around 2 to 5% of them were maybe affected by that. So obviously it's a very, uh, a very concerning thing if you're a security company and you get breached. However, uh, what can you really do with that? That's, you know, can you strengthen more and more? Do you need to put more scrutiny on your third party providers, third party uh, employees and, and so on? It's uh to some point i'm kind of wondering if it's really something that we have a way to uh, to effectively solve i mean unless you're really putting to drastic measure and then so on but the bottom line is that if you're a security company then it's expected out of you automatically that you have tougher uh, motor of security checks on people and procedures to access than a regular company would have so uh another story for you Stephen: uh russia's invasion of ukraine has resulted uh, not only in the civil war that we all expected, uh, but in fact, the, the, the Biden administration has been uh, saying that um, a response is uh, kind of looming, the threat is looming towards uh, the Western world. So a recent CISA built in, uh, along with an announcement at the White House, has told companies uh, to prepare themselves because Russia may be on the verge of launching a massive attack against US and allied interests in the world to retaliate against the sanctions which have been put on them. Do you think that this threat of cyber war with Russia is serious?
0: Definitely. And in fact, I think the biggest surprise to me so far with the Ukrainian invasion is the fact that Russia has not apparently used their cyber war capabilities very widely there. And one of the things that we've heard is that the U.S. sent a rapid response team to Ukraine back in the fall to try to help uh, protect some of the Ukrainian infrastructure from Russian cyber attacks. And that may have worked, or it may be that Russia is still perplexingly not using this technology. Uh, We'll see. But that being said, the the country is very angry about the sanctions that have been placed upon it because of this invasion. And uh, I think the Biden administration is right to be warning uh, both Americans and foreign governments to be prepared for a Russian counterattack. I will also mention that the Biden administration's predictions about the Ukrainian invasion were 100% accurate and now look pretty prescient given uh, what happened afterward. I know a lot of people were skeptical that Russia would invade. The US government said, no, we have intelligence that says they will, this is what's gonna happen, and that's what happened. Uh, The fact that the same people are now saying we have intelligence that says that Russia is about to launch a massive cyber attack and the US and its allies, um, I'm going to take that seriously. I would strongly recommend clicking through this link and reading this quote "shields up briefing from the CISA. Now a lot of the things that they're recommending are things that you already should be doing, Think, you know, making sure that you're validating remote access and making sure software is up to date and that you have you know ports and protocols disabled and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but really, I think that this is a bully pulpit opportunity for the folks in the audience who are generally IT practitioners, IT pros, to basically to, to raise this flag internally and say, look, it's not just me saying that I'm worried about our security. It is the U.S. government. It is the CISA. It is international organizations. We have to take this seriously, and we have to get on it right now. In fact, right now maybe a little too late because, frankly, the... Um, the cyber warriors may already be in your network. So basically, look at this report, take it seriously, raise the flag, and try to do something about this. Because like I said, uh, they were right about the invasion of Ukraine. And I suggest that they may end up being right about this as well. Turning to uh, some exciting announcements. Uh, At Storage Field Day, uh, Vast Data gave the delegates a sneak peek at their new hyperscale-inspired scale-out storage platform, codenamed Series. The embargo is up, and we can talk about it, so uh, let's take a deep dive into this cool thing. It leverages the so-called ruler SSDs from Solidime, which is the Intel spinoff with SK Hynix that we talked about on the rundown before, It also uses Bluefield connectivity from um, Mellanox, which is, of course, part of NVIDIA, and a chassis from uh, hyperscale provider AIC to build a really cool next-generation platform. Um, Will Vast Data launch beyond the stratosphere with this
1: series platform? (laughs) Well, you know, Vast Data is is a company that we've all been following because they have uh, this really cool way of putting things together. Uh, They are very efficient. They provide fantastic performance, and they have this architecture which uses uh, obtain or storage class memory and QLC drives and stores the data very efficiently. I think they're they're already very successful in what they do uh, at the scale that they're they're going at. But I, I do think that it could it could uh, give an extra boost and maybe as you say launch into the stratosphere. And the reason is that. What they're, what they're trying to achieve is deliver very high performance while providing QLC flash economics. So providing a very, uh, let's say, affordable dollar per gigabyte kind of ratio uh, using, uh, as we said before, using uh, QLC. Uh, the fact that they will be architecting the solution to use newer components, such as ARM, for example, or uh, this uh, these Bluefield chip, uh, which is supposed to be very more, very much more efficient on the, uh, on the energy costs and so on, would probably be appealing, especially if you look at the size of customers that they have and the size of installations. I think the, the last time I was talking with Howard about that, he was telling me that they have very large deployments. So when you're deploying at scale and you get those efficiencies, and it it, it kind of plays uh, in your book, you know, compared to the competition. So I think it's really interesting. Um, also, the fact that they're able to just to just go beyond just providing storage, but provide a kind of an integrated solution, which addresses, uh, you know, uh, emerging, not really emerging, but uh, bleeding edge use cases. I mean, fast technology, AI, ML, uh, and so on. Uh, It's it's really great because companies want to look at this validation and differentiation when they they see those those things. They want to see the partnerships with NVIDIA and so on. So I think it's really a, a big thing for them. Right. And uh, uh, Stephen, I've got one la- well, a last one for you and uh, which is around data going private. So data security uh, and protection company Datto uh, looks to be going private just a year after an l- a year and a half after their their IPO. So the the company isn't as high profile as their competitors like Acronis and Veeam but is very popular with its customers. So the stock has not performed as well as expected and the company is looking for more private equity money. So do you think that uh, a takeover or, or a buyout from a competitor is more imminent?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is an interesting story because uh, Datto is one of those companies that isn't all that familiar to, to many people, but has found a really uh, successful niche with some of their uh, uh, customers, mainly through managed service providers. And this MSP business model, it, well, it, it helps them because, of course, it means that they have the ability to reach a really, really broad market, but it hurts them because it is, uh, frankly, a, a really kind of below the radar um, go-to-market approach, which means that most customers don't really aren't really familiar with Datto. But that being said, the company is very successful. It's done really, really well over the years, um, but quietly. So a couple of years ago, they decided that they were going to go IPO and they did. And um, that has been, um, well, it was okay at first, but it really hasn't gone anywhere because the company, although successful, isn't wildly successful. It's not high profile. I think investors just kind of didn't even notice data uh, out there. And unfortunately, and, and part of that process, um, it looks like they may have sort of overextended themselves from a co- corporate perspective in order to make that IPO happen which means that now you've got uh, private equity and investors starting to sniff around the company and say, hey, you gotta do something here to, to give us a return on our investment. Um, unfortunately, that means that uh, this is probably gonna result in either a private equity deal that may end up kind of tearing up the company or merging it with something else in private equity or an outright takeover. Now, that last bit, I think, is actually the most exciting uh, prospect here. Uh, again, Datto has some good technology. They've got good customers. Uh, if they were taken over by somebody in the uh, somebody larger, uh, let's say you know a Veritas or somebody like that, that would actually be a pretty good outcome for everybody involved, especially for their customers, because it would mean that they would have long-term support for what is really a long-term commitment in terms of data protection. So, honestly, I don't think this is bad news for Datto, uh, but it's not great news either.
1: Okay. So uh, we're going to be taking a closer look now at uh, a story from Nvidia. Uh, Jensen Huang is back with another Nvidia GTC keynote, and they're launching the next-generation Hopper GPU architecture and a raft of new products for the cloud, HPC, data center, automotive, and beyond. So the keynote was loaded with buzzword-filled demos, including a long segment on the Omniverse, autonomous driving, and digital twins, and even some talk on quantum computing. So, but it was the Hopper GPU architecture that's really stole the attention uh, because it's delivering over three times the performance of Ampere while sucking twice the power. What should we make of uh, GTC Spring 2022, Stephen?
0: Well, uh, I personally, I love uh, NVIDIA GTC because it's one of those, uh, well, frankly, Jensen's keynote is the thing that I look forward to because they always do a great job with it. Um, it's always interesting and fun. It's always filled with, with forward-looking demos and uh, clever de- ways of showing the real-world impact of technology. And NVIDIA absolutely did not disappoint this time as well. Honestly, the keynote is just fun to watch um, for a nerd like me. But that being said, uh, looking at this keynote, uh, it was obviously the Hopper keynote. So Those of you uh, who follow NVIDIA already know this, but NVIDIA, basically, they have uh, basic GPU uh, architectures, platforms that they build. And every couple of years, they rev it to sort of the next generation. So we saw Ampere a few years ago. Uh, Now we've got Hopper, uh, which is really uh, the next leap forward. Now, some of the stuff is obvious. Uh, You know, we've got PCI Express Gen 5. Uh, we've got uh, HBM3 Memory. Uh, we've got the next generation of NVLink, which is their proprietary interlink. Uh, but overall, the picture was very interesting. So as a, an observer of what happens in enterprise tech, the thing that that, that I keyed in on is the fact that uh, the performance level has leaped just tremendously here. But so has the power consumption. As you mentioned, we're looking at a part that is either 350 or 700 watts in its sort of uh, signature form. A 350-watt PCIe card is kind of nuts. I mean, that's legal, but only barely in a PCIe card. And how the heck is that going to be cooled? I mean, we're going to be looking at some pretty exotic stuff, liquid cooling, uh, and not just any old liquid cooling, like really aggressive liquid cooling. Now, that doesn't mean that hopper is is useless or hot or power, you know, no, we're going to see uh, trimmed down versions of it that consume regular power amounts and so on. And then that's fine. But uh, overall, this thing is absolutely nuts. This is pushing it all the way to the limit and, uh, and maybe even a little bit beyond when it comes to some of the uh, hyperscale platforms. I- I'm not sure how this thing is really going to work in practice, but I, I know that NVIDIA has the, t- has the engineering expertise to make it work. It's just going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting rollout for some of the uh, OEMs to get these things going. Uh, but looking a little deeper at Hopper, and uh, there are some, some interesting things to call out. And, and the first thing that I'm gonna call out is the fact that Hopper has a Transformer engine. Now, unfortunately, Optimus Prime was not involved, but effectively, Transformer is a really up-and-coming and interesting approach to machine learning, and it has shown, shown great, great progress uh, in uh, sort of in theoretical terms. Well, it's built in to the the Hopper platform. And uh, I'm really excited to see where they go with that, because again, this is is sort of next generation machine learning stuff, and uh, NVIDIA has added specific hardware instruction sets to make it happen, which is tremendous. Um, Another uh, really cool uh, element of this new platform is that uh, the Hopper includes uh, dynamic programming uh, support, which is another uh, nascent uh, and emerging field in computer science. And the fact that they have this built into the hardware is, is really exceptional. Finally, a, a third thing that I'm gonna call out about Hopper specifically is the fact that it's got all this security stuff in here. Essentially, uh, back in the day, Uh, GPUs were kind of an open book. They didn't really support confidential computing or, uh, and that that caused some issues if you were gonna use them in any kind of um, uh, multi-tenant situation, because somebody could theoretically use a uh, programming technique to kind of spy on what else is going on on that GPU. Uh, That's all probably a thing of the past with this new platform, because they support confidential computing uh, and they will be, uh, you know, rolling out uh, multi-tenancy as well. So overall, I'm pretty excited about Hopper. Uh, Max, do you have some comments about the GTC keynote or any of the specifics that have been launched?
1: I wouldn't have a con- any counts uh, against that. I think it's really a fantastic technology that we're seeing. And 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 as with each new generation of GPUs, we see how the technology is maturing, how they're adding function capabilities, and moving uh, towards, you know. Uh, hardware-based instruction sets. So it's really interesting. What I think, the, as you pointed out at the beginning, the most interesting challenge is how they're going to sort out cooling and power to that. And, and I'm, I'm really thinking, you know, if, they're going to, if, if the current way the cards are going to be deployed, either as PCI Express cards or Mezzanine cards for some servers, if it's not just a kind of a transient step until a new, more dedicated architecture is figured out. I'm not thinking that they're going to reinvent the wheel in terms of the interlinks and PCI Express and so on, but more if they're going to build some more efficient, you know, form factors to run that in the data center. Because, uh, we, as you said, we're really reaching the limits. and it's, it's really insane, you know, 350 watts or 700 watts just out of one card is, is absolutely crazy and mind-blowing. So that's pretty much all from, uh, from my end on, uh, on that aspect.
0: Another thing I'll call out in terms of the uh, announcements there was some of the really great uh, ecosystem ways that NVIDIA is kind of pushing this technology out. They're not just developing a chip. They're developing ways of making these things happen, whether it's, uh, you know, HGX for OEMs, DGX, the uh, sort of integrated pods, and also some of the ways that NVIDIA is incorporating this technology into other areas of the company. Now, as you'll remember, I mentioned Mellanox earlier. NVIDIA bought them, uh, and, and Mellanox is probably the leader in uh, high-performance SmartNICs right now. Uh, NVIDIA, one of the things that they showed here was called the CNX, which is basically, it's kind of nuts. It's a Hopper H100 on the same card as the uh, connectx 7 which is Mellanox's next-generation SmartNIC. And, um, and again, this thing is, is wild. We're talking a 350 watt PCIe card with integrated GPU and SmartNIC functionality. Um, I don't know who's gonna use this. I don't know how they're gonna use it, but whatever it is, it's gonna be very, very cool. One more thing, and I've gotta say um, chef's kiss for the uh, nerd cred here in introducing this product. So you might remember NVIDIA Grace, which is their ARM-based CPU, which is uh, not intended to replace Xeon, but intended to be sort of a um, a hyper uh, disaggregated uh, compute platform for workloads that don't use GPU. Uh, They announced this last year, there was a lot of uh, shirt rending over Nvidia's attacking Intel, but that's totally not what happened. Instead, Nvidia is coming out with basically another offload engine that just happens to be an ARM CPU with many, many, many cores. Well, remember, that was called Grace. This product is called Hopper. And together they are, yes, Grace Hopper. So great uh, Easter egg there for nerds. The Grace Hopper is probably the nerdiest, coolest thing that they announced at GTC. So essentially, it is an (laughs) NVIDIA Grace, uh, which is a massive ARM CPU you can get uh, you know, 72 or 144 cores of ARM CPU with uh, you know maybe a terabyte of memory, uh, plus one of these crazy uh, Hopper uh, GPUs on the same card, and and basically build a massive disaggregated supercomputer out of these things uh, using NVLink, uh, using uh, smart uh, Ethernet or uh, InfiniBand with some of the other things. Um, just just cool, cool stuff, and. Um, and again, I, you know, I love the, uh, I love the nerd call-out.
1: Yes, exactly. Who doesn't? So, uh, Stephen, uh, let's talk about the week ahead. So today we have uh, Security Field Day 7 starting today from the twenty third to the 25th of March. Uh, and you can figure out uh, what's going on, who's presenting, who are the delegates at uh, techfieldday.com.
0: And uh, next week, I'm going to be in Las Vegas for Aruba's Atmosphere Conference. Now, this is one of our favorite uh, conferences. It's uh, really big for mobility, but now for SD-WAN as well. And you'll be able to tune in on uh, March 28th through 31st. Uh, You can register to, to be part of Atmosphere online. You could even come to Vegas and say hello if you happen to be there. Or you can tune in on Tuesday and Wednesday for some special Tech Field Day sessions from that on the usual Tech Field Day channels. And also, uh, coming back in April, we've got Tech Field Day 25. The whole agenda, the complete list of delegates, everything is online now. Go to Tech Field Day and see that. And again, that's uh, Wednesday through Friday, April 6th through 8th. So thank you for joining us for the Gestalt IT Rundown. We're glad to have you here every Wednesday as we run down the week's news. This uh, discussion is available as a podcast as well, so look in your favorite podcast feed or on YouTube at youtube.com slash gestaltitvideo. Max, uh, is there anything exciting going on for you in the coming weeks?
1: Well, I'm going to be at Tech Field Day 25, so I'm really much looking forward to it. And uh, I'll be seeing you all in a couple of weeks online on the Tech Field Day 25 sessions. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and as I said, I'm going to be at uh, Aruba Atmosphere as well as Tech Field Day 25. And it's always great to have a Tech Field Day event because just like the rundown, we get such a broad spectrum of companies presenting. So We'll be back next week to talk about all the IT news of the week that was, and uh, hopefully we'll be having our uh, regular host, Tom Hollingsworth, back and uh, the rest of the Gestalt IT family here. I'd like to take a quick moment as well to give a shout out to our uh, producer, Abby. Uh, Abby is leaving us here this week, uh, but she will be uh, leaving the production of the Gestalt IT rundowns in the capable hands of Mr. Corey So. If you're interested, uh, you can contact them as well. You can find their information online. Thank you, Abby, for all your work. And Corey, I'm really excited to see what you do with the rundown going forward. So for us here at Gestalt IT, thank you for joining us and have a super awesome day.